listen as this wonderful Jesus Christ tells you a parable. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what, he had, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And, sh and should not ha you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And Paul tells us in Galatians 6.1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, this morning we are looking at wholehearted forgiveness. What does it mean to forgive in totality? To forgive completely and totally from your heart. And as we do, we continue from where we were last week in the scripture. And we are looking at uh, now a parable, a story that Jesus told. As we do, uh, I, I discovered a word this week. I love words. And this word is... Uh, a non-apology, a non-apology apology, sometimes called a non-apology or a faux-pology, is a statement in the form of an apology that does not express remorse. If you have ever parented kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? They get in trouble, and when they do... You tell them to apologize, and they look at their brother or sister and say what? Sorry. Do they mean it? No. They're simply satisfying a parental requirement. It is a faux-pology. It is a non-pology. 
it is common in both politics and public relations or saying, well, I'm sorry you feel that way to someone who has been offended by a statement is a non-apology apology. It is a faux-pology. It does not admit that there was anything wrong with the remarks that were made. Peter here asks a question, and he asks it coming out of Jesus talking about forgiveness. Jesus has talked about forgiveness, and Peter then asks a question, and he said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but... 77 times. Uh, I think Peter's question is a faux-pology in the making. He, he wants to forgive in moderation, right? He wants to forgive because he should forgive, but not because he wants to. Notice his question says, my brother. It is a question of of another believer. Uh, Lord, how often will uh, my brother, this could be James, it could be John, uh, it could be Matthew, it could be one of the 12, uh, it could be uh, somebody in the close circle. How often uh, will I forgive And so Jesus responds with a story. A parable is a story that is intended to convey most likely a a single underarching truth and underlying truth, overarching truth. And here are the principles uh, from what wholehearted forgiveness looks like. First of all, it feels deeply. Wholehearted forgiveness feels deeply. Deeply, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And he, he began to settle, and one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. And the servant fell on his knees, begging him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him... Notice that word pity. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him. Those are two key words, pity and released. Pity and released and forgave him the debt. If you are finding key words in this passage, which all good study of Scripture does, uh, pity, released, forgave. Those are your three key words. Well, we've got to do some work here and figure out what we're dealing with. How much is a talent? How much are we dealing with? A talent was about 20 years worth of labor. Okay, so 20 years of wages. If you earned $40,000 a year, this would be about uh, 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 a lot of money. A whole lot of money. Another way to look at it is 300 tons of silver. 
All right, so a talent would be 300 tons of sil silver. Uh, today, in today's value, $136 million. Um, another way to look at it is 10,000 is the largest number for which a Greek term exists. Another way to look at it is the talent is the largest known amount of money. What is Jesus doing? All right, so uh, a parable is a story he makes up. So he's developing a story intentionally using the largest amount of money possible, that derivation, intentionally using the largest number in Greek for which there is a word and putting it together and saying there was a guy who owed that much. Now, could a guy ever owe a king that much? In the organization of the day, uh, uh, there were rulers over provinces. There was a ruler over all of Syria, Palestine in Jesus' day. And that ruler had governors, and governors had the job of collecting taxes. It would not amount to this Unless that governor over years and years and years had collected taxes and did not pay the king. Perhaps it could get somewhere close, but most likely a king would not let a debt go that long. So what will the king do? He'll sell him as a slave. He will sell his whole family as slaves. As you could imagine... This, uh, this leader, this high-ranking official in the king's court falls to his knees, begs the king for mercy, and then makes an outlandish statement. I will pay back how much? Everything. All. No, you won't. You can't. This is a debt you cannot pay. Uh, this is way too much there's no way you can pay it back. And what happens next is completely unexpected. The king is moved with pity. The word pity literally means to be moved to one's bowels. It was, it's a word that if I said in the Greek, you would hear the word spleen come out of the original Greek word. He's moved to his gut. He's moved to deep within him. He hurts deeply over this servant who owes him all this money. And his response is mercy. What is mercy? It is important because we're going to look at two theological concepts this morning that, that I think in the church we often confuse one is mercy, the other grace. Mercy is not punishing someone as their sins deserve. Mercy is not punishing someone as their sins deserve. The king showed mercy. Mercy. He 
says, I will enslave you and your entire family for the rest of your life. You will, I'll have everything you own. And this high-ranking official would have been wealthy. I'll have everything you own. I'll own you. You'll be my slave. You'll work for this massive debt. You should have done better. But he was moved to deep in his gut. He felt deeply for this man who had wasted what should have been his. Wholehearted forgiveness feels deeply. Secondly, wholehearted forgiveness releases completely. The king doesn't stop there. All right, he could have in Jesus' story. Don't forget that when Jesus tells parables, he's the author of the parable. He's not dependent upon facts. He's inserting the facts. He's telling the story. He's the narrator. He's choosing the details. He's doing the work here. He is a masterful, masterful storyteller. He is the, the God, if you will, of his parable. And so he's going to insert into the parable what ought to be or leave out what shouldn't be. And what does he say? All right, so, so the king could have stopped and said, okay, I, I won't enslave you. But you're still in debt to me. So get to work. Go to your province. Find all the people. Uh, for the rest of your life, you'll live in my debt. But you won't be my slave. He doesn't do that. It says he forgave him the debt. He could have said... Just work for me. He says, there's no more debt. He, he forgave the debt. 300 tons of silver. Write it off the books. The largest number for which a Greek term exists. Live as if you never owed it to me. The largest denomination of money in the Greek system, forgiven, gone, just as if it had never occurred. That's grace. Grace is being kind to unworthy people. Mercy is not punishing someone as their sins deserve. Mercy is what you don't do. Grace is what you do. There is a distinction. If you show mercy to someone who has offended you, you will not take them to task for what they've done. If you show them grace, you will be kind to them in spite of what they've done. That's what the king does. You'll release them of the debt they owe you. 
you won't bring it up again. Paul touches on this in 1 Corinthians 13. This is huge for marriage, isn't it? Love keeps blank record of wrongs. What's the word in there, church? Say it loud. What? Love keeps no record of wrongs. If you are constantly reminding your erring spouse of what he or she did, do not fool yourself into thinking you have forgiven him or her. You have not. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Wholehearted forgiveness releases completely. Uh, mercy is not giving the person what they deserve. Grace is giving them what they never deserved. It's being kind to unworthy people. Well, how do you do that? How do you work this out? There's an old sales saying that goes like this. Some of you in sales may be familiar with this. It's quite old. If I can see Joe Jones through Joe Jones' eyes, I can sell Joe Jones what Joe Jones buys. It's just an old sales quip. If I can see Joe Jones through Joe Jones' eyes, I can sell Joe Jones what Joe Jones buys. In other words, the key to selling Joe Jones what Joe Jones buys is to empathize with Joe Jones. I think in the context of our parable, we could most likely say, if I could see Joe Jones through God's own eyes, I can forgive Joe Jones before Joe Jones dies. If I could see Joe Jones through God's own eyes, I can forgive Joe Jones before Joe Jones dies. Hear me, as long as you see your offender merely through offended eyes, you will be unable to show mercy and give grace. As long as you see your offender through offended eyes, you will be unable to give mercy and grace. I went to college with a young man. He and I spent quite a bit of time together by virtue of the fact that we were both quintessential nerds. His name was A.K. Anderson. A.K. was from East Tennessee, as was I. Um, he ended up at Wofford, and we got to know one another, had some classes together. When A.K. graduated Wofford, he went on to Yale University to get his uh, graduate degree and uh, owned a school, I think, in England to get his doctorate. And he's now back at Wofford. He chairs the religion department at Wofford now. AK was, he wore thick glasses, very thick. He was, I think, legally blind then without his glasses. And he did a project that he wanted to know what it felt like to be illiterate. Of course, A.K. could read anything and grasp it quickly, a brilliant mind. So he had no concept 
of what it might feel like to be unable to read. So he came up with an idea and he carried it out. He had someone drive him, or he drove himself rather, to the grocery store and left his glasses in the car and went into the store with a pre-described list of things to buy. He, his vision's so bad he could not read the writing on the packages. And he walked through the store as one who could not read, trying to figure out what to buy and put in his cart to satisfy the person who needed those items. He wrote about it. He talked about how for the first time in his life, he felt like someone felt who couldn't read. He saw Joe Jones through Joe Jones' eyes. As long as you see your offender merely through offended eyes, you will be unable to show mercy. Wholehearted forgiveness, third, forgives completely. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly what? What does it say? They were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay all his debt. The first servant's response is unbelievable. How much is 6,000 denarii? It's it's about $15,000. All right, so if we just go with the silver measure, 136 million forgiven, somebody owes you 15,000, and you put him in prison, well, you choke him first, right? You choke him first, and then you put him in prison. So choke the dude, then put the dude in prison, and and what happens? Don't miss this detail of the parable. The whole thing is about wholehearted forgiveness. The details are remarkable, as Jesus has has developed. Um, All the other servants were greatly what? Distressed. Do you want to know what distresses other believers? 
and unbelievers alike. It's when you, a forgiven person, does not, do not forgive. They'll look at you and go, oh, isn't she the one with that great story of what God did in her life? And now she's choking somebody. Uh, when you're talking and bad-mouthing someone to them, she's choking someone. Uh, isn't he the one who's got this great story of life changing? He's now got his hands around somebody else's throat, choking them, and he's putting somebody else down. He's running somebody else into the ground. Is not that the guy who was here, and he's here, he was lost, and he is found, he was in darkness, and now now he's in light. He was on this side and now he's on that side. And all of a sudden, uh, the people around you go, uh, this is the person who's been forgiven much. And the person who's been forgiven much only forgives little. And it distresses people all around you. They don't get it. Well, I thought she was a Christian. I thought he was a follower of Christ. I, I thought he lived a forgiven life. It's amazing how, how that'll kill your witness, not damage it. It'll greatly distress people around you if you can't forgive. If you won't forgive. You who have been forgiven much, can you not forgive little? It greatly distresses people around you. I helped with the roof Friday and Saturday and Randy Bartz, I've been looking for him. I don't see him in the service this morning. I promised him he would be a sermon illustration and maybe he stayed home. So it's just on Facebook, so we're good. Um, but Randy, what a dear guy, has a little Dodge Dakota. And we needed about, uh, got there and had to resheet the whole thing. So we needed some OSB. So they sent me and Randy to go get it to Lowe's. So we, we head out. And that little Dakota's got a little pickup, like, it's a, it's five speed and Randy would hit the gas and we'd be like, mm, you know, I mean, we're going. And, uh, and, and so as someone who drives poorly, I can't say a word. And so I just go with it. So we go, we get the OSB, we had to get a couple other things and it's all loaded up. We pull out of there at Lowe's down here at Lowe's and we turn left and we had stopped at the light in front of Verizon. And so we stopped, and then it was time to pull out. And Randy, in his great fashion, thank God it doesn't have a Hemi in it, um, hits the gas. And when he does, I hear something, and all our plywood ends up on Highway 70. <laughs> Every bit of it. Like, not a single solitary piece is in the truck. None. And I just look around, and it's like, boom, there it is. So, so Randy just says, looks over in, in his very excitable way and says, we lost it all, didn't we? 
Yeah, Randy, I think we did. There it is. The people are dodging, you know. And so he pulls around through Verizon. Well, this guy comes running over, and, and he's parked in Verizon, and he says, uh, he said, he's, he's now directing traffic around our OSB. And uh, he says, come on back. I'll keep them off of it. And we're like, all right. What? It's Marion, you know, Marion. And so, so we come on around, and when we do, I'm out there, and the guy looks at me, and I said, uh, we're, we're, we're a church. We're doing a roof. And he went like that, and I looked pretty bad. And he went, you that preacher? I went, that would be me. He said, I'm from Spindale, and I've been to your church. I said, well, thanks for your help. Let's get, the, you know, we're going to get, so, so he pulls back. Well, then here comes the sheriff, turns on his lights. So we got the sheriff, the preacher, some dude from Spindale and Randy. And we're picking up OSB. You know, it's so hot, like it's July out here. And we're picking up OSB, and we're just like piling it on and getting it there. And the guy from Spindale says, you know, you know what, would, what would help would be if you strapped it in. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right, you know. <laughs> so he, he goes, he gets a couple straps, and he straps it in. And I said, well, how am I going to get these back to you? He said, they're just on me, you know. Thank you. And so, so we start to take off, and Randy looks over at me and grins, and he says, I'll be easy this time. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Ricky said, I'll just escort you all the way back to the job. <laughs> and so we got, we got sheriff escort back to the job. I looked over at Randy. I said, Randy, uh, normally they do this for funerals. Like usually when I'm in this line, it, it's not for this. I'm just, just telling you, you know, that kind of thing. Well, then lo and behold, he, he gets in a big, he's a history buff and he said, there's a book over there. I want you to look at it. So I grabbed the book. It's Abraham Lincoln's speeches. We get in a conversation and we're about to take the exit. And he's just like booking it. I said, Randy, we're going to lose it again. Oh, oh, oh. he said, focus, focus, focus. <laughs> yes. Yes. So what's the point of that story? Nothing, but we needed release. All right. <laughs> no lie. No lie. Y'all are dying. All right. This is heavy stuff. Back to the sermon. All right. I'm serious. That's the only reason I told it. Back to the sermon. Here you go. Please hear me. I love you, love you, love you, love you. When you use your words to cut someone down, you're seizing and choking them. When your estranged family member seeks reconciliation with you and you refuse while spreading rumors about them, you're seizing and choking them. When you talk about your boss behind her back, you're seizing and choking her. When you refuse to reconcile with your kids who are begging for your forgiveness, but convince other family members that they don't deserve it, you're seizing and choking them. When you don't allow the person who hurt you to walk free of the weight of what he did to you, you're seizing and choking him. Notice the king's comment to the man, I forgave you all that debt, all of it. And the question, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have mercy on you? Shouldn't you? Shouldn't you? 
I'm just asking you as your pastor this morning that what God has given you, give away. And that's mercy and grace. Give it away. Really, just give it away. This guy wouldn't. How do we know? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should what? Pay how much? Will that ever happen? Where will this guy die? All right. Check out the screen. 